And welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a nonsensical podcast where we talk about professional wrestling past, present, and quite possibly the future. A couple of things you should know before we get started is you can follow Wrestling is Trash on all social media platforms. Well, not all of them. Most of the ones that I'm about to mention. Twitter at Wrestling Be Trash and Instagram at Wrestling is Trash and somewhere in the abyss of Facebook, you can just look up Wrestling is Trash and you can find every single episode of Wrestling is Trash on WrestlingIsTrash.com. Uh, we had a couple of things go on this weekend. We had a takeover live from Toronto. We have some other G1 shenanigans. And um, tonight, as we record this, will be SummerSlam. So um, what we're about to do is talk a little bit about takeover. Uh, give you a little bit of a preview of SummerSlam and then maybe some shenanigans to follow. But following me on this journey, this afternoon, this is afternoon, yeah, it's after 12. So, uh, returning, Nick Anicelli and the king himself, Mr. Ajar. What's up? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a delay is, there. It's like I introduce y'all and it's like we here. <laughs> no, I got I have to do this. I have to say what it do, baby. What it do, baby. Yeah, they're gonna do that tonight. You you had a was that you that put that out there? Which one? About the um, if the new day come out there and they cut a promo, they're gonna incorporate that in there somehow. I I think there's going to be a lot of Raptors tie-ins to tonight's show. Like I think Trish Stratus is going to have Raptors inspired gear, um, like Gargano did yesterday. Like I think you're going to see a lot of Raptors stuff. They're going to pretend like the Maple Leafs don't exist. They haven't won in <laughs> the so Street Profits did it too. Yeah, Street Profits had yeah. some nice gear on. That was pretty cool. Because they have the swag. Like nobody can. Yeah, yeah they do. Uh, but, yeah, boy. Uh, but uh, before we get into NXT TakeOver, I mean, what was your overall uh, feeling about the show as a whole? Great, as always. Has there ever been a bad TakeOver show? Uh, there probably has been, but I can't really recall, so probably not. <laughs> well, no, but you have to look at it like this. TakeOver shows maybe four years ago weren't as good as they are now, yeah. but they were still better than what the main roster was doing then. So when all the folks moved up, the takeovers were still ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think that they just get better. You know, the matches are great. And, and I think the biggest thing about takeover for me is it's five matches. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why I love takeovers. You know what you're getting two, three weeks in a day. Yeah. So, yeah, you you know it's always going to be five. Yeah, there's always some actual storytelling leading to the specific point, and then they have the added benefit of not having a pay per view every goddamn month. Yeah, they do what five a year. They yeah, they do one for the big four, and um, one during WrestleMania. Or is the WrestleMania in part of the big four? Yeah, the rest of me, they do it at Rumble, mm-hmm. Money in the Bank, um, Mania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. Okay. All right. Yeah, makes sense. 
Did, did they ever try to do like a NXT Money in the Bank? Or was that just like a heavily talked about thing? No. I think it was just talked closest, about. I think it was more scuttlebutt. The closest they ever got was there was one Money in the Bank that Finn Balor was supposed to win mm-hmm. where he was still in NXT. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what it was. But at the top of the card, as we look at um, what they present to us on WWE.com, we had the grudge match between Candice LeRae and Lo Shirai. What are, what are we got? What's your thoughts on this? Match of the night. I thought you were saying meh. I was like, what? <laughs> no, hell no. Match of the night. This was an amazing match. I was not, I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. I was expecting it to be good, just not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, uh, it, it was a good match, but to me, it is just like something like overly choreographed about Candice LeRae. It's just like either she's extra safe and careful when she does things or whatever, but it just looks like she is very planned because it's like this, the footwork and everything is meticulous. It's like, it's not like the move is, it's like, you know, what's going to happen because of the way she sets the shit up. That's how it looked to me. So it kind of took me out in certain parts, but overall, the match was still good. That, was, that match was so good. And, you know, the thing they were trying to sell is they're trying to really build Candace up to be female Johnny Gargano, right? Because yeah. she just took punishment after punishment after punishment. And, you know, she just wouldn't quit. And it's exactly the same story they're telling with her. But Yo Shirai... Uh, Io Shirai, with all due respect, I think at last time on the podcast, I said this year, you know, Tessa Blanchard has been the best female wrestler. Mm-hmm. But Io Shirai, if she's given the opportunity, just like, you know, Kyrie or Oscar or Sasha or any of them, they can all be the best. It's just WWE doesn't give the women their opportunity the way they used to. But what I saw at Io Shirai last night, she was magnificent she's unbelievable yeah i like her and candace is great mm-hmm. yeah and it's not so much like how, what you was talking about it's just like it's not just the females it's just they don't give certain characters the certain opportunity to branch out and shine but i believe you know well, you get enough time here in nxt i mean eventually all everybody has a turn at the table here did you see what becky lynch said in a like one minute interview no, tell me. She she posted on Twitter, so she pretty much because it kind of has to do with like the, the like opportunity. She pretty much said like a bunch of the females just sit backstage, or maybe not just females, maybe just competitors in general. I don't want to yeah. single anybody out. And it was pretty much just saying like, hey, like knock on that door, like take advantage of an opportunity, like I did. And next thing you know, you could be made of ending WrestleMania. You can do this. You just have to say something. You got to speak for yourself. Then, Which I could see why some people, I could see why people are hesitant. Like, who the hell, like, you gotta think, that's probably gonna take a lot of balls to go up to AAA to Vince and just say, oh, I wanna try this. Well, it's not even so much that, it's just, uh, comfort, I can't say the word, comfortable, comfortability. You know, you get paid to be there, and, you know, regardless if you on TV or not TV, you under contract to get paid. So most people are like, well, shit, if I can save my body and chill out and relax in the background or whatever and still get paid, 
why the fuck I'm gonna do anything else, huh? <laughs> yeah, because I, I think, think that's where, I think, and I think that's where the competitive nature comes in too. Yeah, I mean, you have those people. I think there. a lot of. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was gonna say, sorry, sorry. A lot of Becky stuff is, you know, tongue in cheek. Like she had two really good promos over the weekend. The the one, did you guys see the one she caught on Sasha? Just just purely on Sasha. No. Where. Uh, no, okay, didn't so the, actually. That one, that one got the internet talking because it felt like they were setting something up. So the guy from England interviewed her and he's like, would you like to face Sasha Banks? And she goes, well, yeah, I would love to face her. But just like Ronda Rousey, after she lost the match, she decided to go home. And, you know, instead of whining about, you know, losing your belt, you know, why don't you come back and, and prove it to me or prove it that you're the man but she goes, I would love, to, I would love to slap the taste out of her mouth and punch her in the throat. And then after she said that, like maybe 30 minutes later, somebody posted a comment about her promo and it said, you're getting, you're, you're trying to attract attention. You're trying to draw attention to get me, but I don't care about you. And then Tasha liked that tweet. So it's like the, the, the second part, the what you guys are talking about with Becky talking about knocking on the door, like Becky, she's smart enough to understand that if there was no Ronda Rousey last year, she's not main eventing mania. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's no true. way the women main event WrestleMania without Ronda Rousey. And yeah. the closest I could see is if the four horsewomen were to have this year long kind of blow off storyline where, the, the fans just said, we want this match to main event. But Becky was so hot because people hated Rousey so much. Mm-hmm. But I really think towards the end, people started to really like Rousey again. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just think Becky, Becky can say whatever she wants because she's supposed to. But she knows, like, the match everybody wanted to see was her against Ronda Rousey, not even Charlotte in the match. And the match wasn't that good. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even that good. When it, when it all got said and done, I kind of felt like Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston should have main evented. That mania would have been much better. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, I was so, bored as shit at the end of that, honestly. Yeah. Because, like, at, uh, the, yeah. whole, the whole thing that we was talking about, about the new females rep, um, headlining WrestleMania, I even said it years ago back on the freaking pipe bomb. I was like, we we are within 10 years of that happening. And then as time rolled on before um, Rousey showed up um, with Charlotte and Sasha and um, Bailey and Becky, what they were doing, I was like, all right, we within five years. And then it started right. getting close. I was like, okay, within three years. And then Ronda Rousey showed up. I was like, all right, it has to happen this year. <laughs> so, and it happened. Yeah, I mean, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey it was a bigger star than any male they had on the roster, including Brock Lesnar. And that's how you get the most mainstream attention. But I think Vince or Triple H or any of them would have preferred that that match to steal the show, and it didn't. It might have been... It, it was barely above the women's tag match. Like, it wasn't that much better than the women's tag match. So, and, and, this and that match to me wasn't that good yeah. so and, and this is another thing too I talked about this heavily as well the crowd dictated all this 
and it, and the whole thing about giving the women a chance, giving the women a, a chance or whatever. WWE slingshotted all that shit. They gave you the first ever this match, the first ever this match, the first ever women's this, first ever this, first ever this, first ever this, all in a goddamn row, all within a year or two of each other. And now there's not shit left for the women to do for first time ever's. They just got all that shit out in the air, so you shut the fuck up about it. A good yeah, honestly, I don't think there's there's no more first first women's anything. Right, I think they've honestly done it all. They did the rumble, hell in the cell, yeah, money in the bank, iron woman. Yeah, they've done ladder matches. Yeah. Money in the Bank. Yeah. No DQ tables match. Yep. They Royal Rumble Survivor Series. Main event in Raw. Main oh, no, event no, no, in SmackDown. No, no. Main event in yeah, Main event Raw. Main event in Raw. Uh, yeah. WrestleMania. <laughs> no, but Inferno just, match. Yeah, Inferno match. And yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not like coming across like a homer on this one or like. Uh, uh, but in 2016, when Charlotte and Sasha had the matches, and they main evented Raw. And they may have ended a pay-per-view, and they drew ratings against football. That was organic. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't forced. The fans said, we'll watch. If you if these two keep having match after match, even though on Twitter, everybody complained about it, that, oh, my God, give all the other women a chance. The WWE audience was watching their feud because the Raw after the, the brand split, the, the Sasha-Charlotte title change match didn't main event, but it got the highest rating of the show. Mm-hmm. They went up against the Green Bay Packers and the Philadelphia Eagles after Thanksgiving, and they drew 3.1 million people. Do you know how hard that is against that football game? Mm-hmm. Packers? Eagles? That's like two of the biggest both- five fan bases in, in the NFL. And they drew over three million because they were main eventing the Falls Count Anywhere match, and they built it throughout the show so you couldn't say, "Oh well, they had a big returning Goldberg or Lesnar." Like none of those guys were on that show. It was just those two, and the fans stuck around for the main event to draw just as well as the first hour, which never happened. Yeah. But that felt organic. Yeah. Like it felt like people still cared about not necessarily the women's evolution, but the evolution of certain performers. Like, they wanted to see that feud. And even Alexa and Sasha, when they main evented Rob, they drew three million. But, like, it wasn't forced. I think everything they do now is forced. Yeah. And I think a lot of Becky stuff is forced. Yeah, like of course. They put Becky on every single segment, and Raw is getting, he's just dying in the ratings. Because maybe people don't really care about Becky Lynch outside of the people in the audience that chant for her. But, like, it's also, it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. Becky's opponents are Lacey Evans. Nobody knows who she is. And Natty. Nobody's ever cared for Natty. I mean, I like her. She's a good performer. But nobody's ever bought a ticket to see Natty in their life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has happened. Like, the women's tag belts were forced. And, and look, if the reports are true that yeah, they didn't, did, want that didn't, didn't want it, he didn't want it. You know, Sasha was one of his priorities, is one of his top women stars who moves a lot of merchandise and gets ratings. And she begged him, and he gave it to her. 
and he didn't have any plans with it, and he had a different idea for Bailey, and he took the belts off them, and they, you know, who knows what happened. But, like, Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling anyway. Yeah. So why would anybody think he likes women's tag team wrestling? He barely likes the men. Mm-hmm. So that is true. I think, I, I think, you know, when he saw Charlotte and Sasha and NXT in San Jose tear the house down, and he went to Triple H and he said, this is my WrestleMania main event next year or my WrestleMania women's main event. I think he wanted those two in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. He didn't want everybody else with it. Like, I think he wanted, like, the certain women he likes. Like, he likes Becky. He likes Charlotte. Despite the booking, he does like Sasha. I know that. Yeah. Um, he likes Bailey. He likes his women. Because, like, everybody always says, oh, Vince likes, I say it, Vince likes blonde, blue-eyed, big boobs. Well, where's Mandy Rose's push? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's I mean Mandy Rose, like, Mandy Rose fits the Vince McMahon. Like, she's, like, Trish Minnie, but she's never gotten the push. Mm. Alexa Bliss has gotten the push, and Alexa Bliss fits the mold. But Alexa Bliss also can talk, and she's a very good, like, she's a good hand because she doesn't, they don't care what they ask her to do. She goes out there and loses to Ronda Rousey in 20 seconds. I don't think you could ever sell that idea to Bailey or Sasha or Charlotte or mm. Becky. Like they wouldn't go out there and lose to Ronda Rousey in 20 seconds. Alexa Bliss doesn't care. She which is, do it. Which in, re- which in real life would really happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but I yeah. think in real life, Ronda Rousey would also beat Bailey in 20 seconds and yeah. beat Charlotte in 20 seconds. And yeah. Maybe Charlotte's like 45 seconds. To, to be real, but, though. To be real, though. I think any of those names that you uh, threw out there, if we went there with them, we would probably lose in 20 seconds as well. Well, yeah. here's the thing. <laughs> I, was ta- I, I love UFC. I watch UFC well, all the time. Oh, well, you missed that joke. Watched- but anyway, let's move on to the tag match because no, we I only can- went over one match so far. <laughs> okay, all right. I was going to say let's go on. I was just going to say let's go on to something. Well, Goddamn, we, we ain't going to talk about the rest of the show? <laughs> No, no, we can't. It was a great show. Yeah. Everybody should go watch it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just a mini review. We know how to get deep and dive and everything, but we just we said Lo Shirai and Candice LeRae, and then we wound up over here. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's street, street you profits give, are the best. Yeah, yeah street profits versus uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly of the undisputed, undisputed era. Um, high energy match. Um, I liked all the comeback spots and everything. Antonio Dawkins showed his power, even though. I believe as a solo act, he sucks ass. And uh, Montez Forbes is the future. <laughs> He's the GOAT. Anything? Bueller? It was a great match. It was a great tag match. Uh, Street Profits, to me, are going to be a team that I'm afraid going to the main roster, they're going to get ruined, and they'll just be this, you know, they'll just carry around solo cups and make backstage jokes. But as a team, they have so improved. Mm-hmm. Like, go back and watch their stuff when they first got to NXT. They weren't that good. Yeah. But they're really good now. And, you know, the Undisputed Era, man, they're, they are really the modern-day four horsemen. Mm-hmm. They make everybody that they wrestle better. Whether they win or lose, you need them to elevate talent. Gargano, um you know, dream them. I mean, Undisputed Arrow had their fingerprints all over the show. It was a great match. I think for tag team wrestling fans, SummerSlam has no tag team matches. They should watch well, that match. 
Yeah. And yeah, man, I, 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 for the life of me, wanted Undisputed Era to get all the belts because I believe that that, that could have been a good story behind that whole thing. But you know, it is what it is. Next, we got a uh, Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim. Thoughts, not thoughts, but thoughts. Okay. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, you had some uh, thoughts on this as well, Ajar. Go ahead and spill the beans. I'm bored of Shayna Baszler as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. She, they build up all these baby faces, and none of them take her out. And I feel like all the baby faces that lose to her, it hurts them. Mm-hmm. Kyrie, okay, but Kyrie went to the main roster. Yeah. Bianca, Bianca Belair, like I can barely see her on TV now. And I thought Bianca Belair was the person that should have been the one to beat her. And they could have had heel Io Shirai take it off Bianca, but I just, the Shayna thing and her, you know, submission expert, like she's already lost a bunch of times. Like she's lost to Io. She's lost to Kyrie. She's lost Mm -hmm. to Amber. So to me, she's not invincible. Like, She's like Asuka, but not really Asuka, and her matches are, are slow and prodding. She, she is Personally, pro- she, I, I'd like to see something else. And she's what the internet has been talking about. Um, she is female Brock Lesnar. When Brock Lesnar came back, he, he lost his first not, couple few matches, then he'd be done to take it, and he never lost after that so much. <laughs> right, but she's not Brock yeah. Lesnar. She's not that good. Yeah. And... <laughs> She, no, she isn't. I mean, people forget how good of a wrestler Brock, well, I mean, Brock Lesnar is. Brock Lesnar as in the booking. That, how about that? Oh, okay. But here's the thing, though. Brock Lesnar didn't have two friends who always helped him. He just beat you up. Well, yeah. She, oh, she's, like, she's supposed to be invincible, but she's invincible because she has two friends. But then so, she like, still what story wins. are you trying to tell? But then she wins if, without like, a friend. Okay, look. <laughs> Like Mia, Mia Yim, right? Mia Yim beat up her friends so they couldn't interfere. Then I would expect her to lose yeah. because the story would say you can't win without your friends. No, but she still won. What is the point? I am like, I, I like to me, the women's NXT title up until Shayna Baszler was the best title in the whole company. Mm-hmm. It was the It was the title to me that the star of stars held. Look at the list. Paige, Charlotte, mm-hmm. Sasha, Bailey, Oscar, yeah. Ember. That was it, right? Yeah, then, but- Ky- then Shayna, Kyrie. But it's like, to me, Shayna isn't the charisma. She doesn't have the charisma of the other women. No, she doesn't. To carry a division. But this, yeah. is, but this definitely is, does. Yeah, but this is the thing, though. Despite all the people that we like in their women's division, nobody is ready for that belt yet. And that's why I believe she has it that long. Bianca you don't Belair, think EO is ready for the belt? Probably now, with a couple of character modifications and a few more story points and whatnot. She could be, but right now at this second, nah, not so much. That's probably, maybe even, that's probably why they had such a drastic character change so quickly. So she can be prepped for the belt. But as of now, all right, you like Bianca Belair, but I don't think she championship material yet. You talk about Mia Yim, I damn sure don't think she championship material yet. 
besides the compelling story in you know, the background, which they decide to bring up here and there, you know, but I don't think she championship material yet. Who else is there? Because I, I, I'm not. Zia Lee? Fuck no. Goddamn. No, I, <laughs> Who else? <laughs> to me. What's her name? Uh, Shamara Conti or whatever the hell her name is. The one that do all the flippy dudes and shit? No. <laughs> no. I don't know. She's she Brazilian. She, I like her. She's hot. Casey Catanzaro. <laughs> she's, she's super hot. Oh, yeah. Um, Tamara Conti. But. Yoshirai is by far the best women's wrestler on that roster. She is, yeah, she's she not the, even close. Yeah, she's the front runner. I, I'll give you that. But I will say this to to give you credit for your point. I don't think Babyface Io Shirai should have won the title exactly. because she was a stale character. Mm-hmm. But this heel Io Shirai that I saw last night that comes out dressed in black and yellow like she's the Wu Tang mm-hmm. and kind of looks complicated with her evil faces. <laughs> <laughs> that Io Shirai should have the belt and she should run through everybody getting back to next WrestleMania where Candace takes the belt off of her or um, K- K- uh, Casey Catanzaro, yeah. like somebody like that, like an underdog. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Shayna is I love her character. Mm-hmm. Like she plays the snarky, you know, badass, but kind of a, a cheater She's like really good at that. Yeah. It almost seems to me. But like, I don't like her matches. Yeah, but it almost seems to me as just like she's the reality and everybody else is doing cosplay. <laughs> yeah. No, she's yeah. great. I like I loved um I loved her promo before the match where she goes, What? You you assaulted my friends? You think you should get a title match? You should be in a yeah. jail cell. Exactly. That's what you're, I'm saying. You're a you're a criminal. And I loved she goes you barely earned your job. What? Because some fans sit and chant for you. You got a a job. It's like, I love her promos and I love her character. I do. I just don't like her matches. Yeah. Her matches. You know what she is? She's Elias to me. (laughs) Like when the bell rings, I don't care for Elias, but up until the bell rings, I'm like, yeah, I love this guy. And then the bell rings. What does WWE stand for? But that's the thing, though. Yeah. With, with Elias, you know, first of all, you forget he has his own theme music, <laughs> and then yeah. um, oh, and it's terrible at that too. <laughs> but I believe Elias is better than what we've seen so far. It's just like he's so big at what he does outside of the ring that you know, inside it's like, all right, all right, do this and this and this for storyline purposes, and then get the fuck on and go back to doing what you was doing. But I've seen him have some decent matches but I mean we only get what we need to see but so the triple threat yeah the triple threat for the North American championship Velveteen Dean uh, god damn I can't talk Velveteen Dream Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong Um, first thought I thought Roderick Strong was going to win because I wanted Undisputed Era to sweep the whole night but that did not happen and then I also thought even if um the tag team, it, uh, the Undisputed Era didn't win the tag titles, that Roderick Strong would have won this title and Cole might have lost his or either retained and that would have been like a rift somewhere between Strong and Cole because I believe they did that some time back but they kind of just wiped it away. Well, 
Roderick Straw, okay, once the Street Profits retain, then I thought Roderick should lose too because mm. the only reason he would win is for the picture of all four of them holding Bell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Velveteen Dream is the, is the future. Mm-hmm. Not only of, of NXT, he might be the future of the WWE. So I think keeping the belt Who? on him for a little bit longer. Would you say? Than Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Oh, yeah, I love that. Did you see that uh, behind the scenes of that 2K commercial? Yeah. No, not the behind the scenes. But I was shocked he was in it. Yeah, but he was... Where I he mean, was touching the Universal title? Yeah, he was, um, he was backstage. They had uh, all different props or whatever. And he was like, is Hogan here? Is Hogan here? Then he seen like the, um, the red and yellow boa that Hogan wore. And he's like, oh, man, this is the one like mine. And he was just pretty much like Hogan is copying him. He's like, oh, this is pretty much like the one I wear. He said, but this is a cheap imitation. And then he had a wall display of the NXT title on top, the Universal title in the middle, and I believe the WCW NWO title at the bottom. And you've seen him trying to jump up and reach for the NXT title. Then he stopped. Then he started looking at the Universal title. And he was rubbing his hand across. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like he wanted the universal title so I mean that was some good seeds being laid or just even showing the charisma that is Velveteen Dream he done the good too though yeah giggity <laughs> anyway and then what and then um, oh just the main event yeah Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano in a two out of three falls match, which we knew was going to go to three falls because it had a mystery stipulation that nobody knew what it was until the damn pay-per-view started. So, uh, I thought the weapons with the cage was sick. I was not expecting that. So, this is, what was this, um, Asylum match that Dean Ambrose and uh, Jericho had? (laughs) Yeah, which was another great match, honestly. The only thing this match was Uh, missing was the thumbtacks. I loved the story of the match. I thought the story was great, which mm-hmm. is Adam Cole tried to cheat, mm-hmm. but didn't get away with it, first of all. Then Gargano just says, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to get disqualified so I can beat him up in the street fight and win the second fall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought that was a great story. The, 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 last, the last part where the match ended, it's like a big bump that they both took. It just so happened that Adam Cole's hand kind of went on top of him. Mm-hmm. It was a great way to end the feud. I mean, it's been one of the best NXT feuds of all time. They've produced three amazing matches. It was the way to end the show. It just for me with Adam Cole, who where who does he who's next? Riddle, mm-hmm. or is it? It's not Velveteen because he saw the belt. I guess I it could be. I don't. Do- I don't think it'll be Riddle as much as I want it to be because of that whole Killian Dane thing. Yeah. Well, see, it is exactly what I was talking about with Shayna Baszler. Cole has the belt, so who else is there? You know, I mean, you can name a lot of people that you like, but do you think they really need the belt? I think Matt Riddle is the only, like, valuable, I guess, opponent next. Uh, Are they going to hot shot Austin Theory? Now, see, now that's, that's a point of thing that I want to... I didn't get to shoot that out there before but like after the Evolve show and seeing Austin uh, Austin Aries (laughs) Austin Theory for the first time I was like this dude is a star 
they need him on WWE programming. And I wanted to say something before the NXT takeover start that he is going to be there. And sure enough, he was there. But I, I like I, I have no validation behind that because I didn't put the tweet out there. <laughs> but Austin Theory is going to be there and he's going to rip some shit up. That dude is 23 years old. 22. No, 22. And Velveteen is 23. Yeah. Then you got who I had a list of. Oh, you know guys. who you know who they you know who they might push. What's his name? Kashada. What? Who? The um. Casino. Kushida, Kushida? What the fuck's it? Kashida. Yeah, Kashida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I mean, he he's been on a big win streak on the show, mm-hmm. unless he goes for the North American title. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I forgot he was there, to be honest. <laughs> okay. When have the WWE ever pushed an Asian wrestler unless they had Shinsuke Nakamura's charisma? Like, I, I think Kushida will be good, but I thought they would push Kenta to the moon, and he got one really good match, and that was it. Yeah, and that's kind of with him. Um, he was played with injury, though. That's true. Yeah, he got the shoulder yeah, injury, and he had another injury as well. Austin Theory is the shit. I only seen the one match of him. I only heard of him in that night with the Evolve special. But that dude is the shit to me. <laughs> so that wraps. You up. want me to? Uh, yeah, that wraps. So you want me to start that Summer Slam card? Yeah, yeah. Let's ro- let's roll into the Summer Jam. Right. Summer, so, summer pajamas. So just announced on Twitter, the pre-show has three ma- uh three or four, four ma- three matches. Yeah, three matches. Oh, my God. One random. First match is random. Mm-hmm. was literally random. But I think it's going to be good. Apollo versus Buddy Murphy. Okay. I'm down with that. I'm going to go with Murphy. Yeah, because Apollo Crews, right? <laughs> yeah, and as much as I like Apollo Crews, but it's uh, Murphy for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Adrock? Oh, it has to be Buddy Murphy. He had he touched Roman Reigns. Yeah, well, Roman so Reigns touched him. That is, him. That is true. Yeah, well, Roman Reigns touched him. So I mean, either or. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Then, then women's tag title match: Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Iconics. You gotta go. That's on the pre-show. On that. That's on the pre-show. Yep, That's- on the pre-show. Yep. Word. I don't know. Okay. Pretty uh, pretty I'm, excited for it, but I, I'm going to go with Bliss and Cross. Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably going to keep it. it it's definitely Bliss and Cross, and I gotta say, like, that's going to be a really oh, bad match. Oh, oh. <laughs> hey, I don't know why we said that. We just said Bliss Cross. I automatically thought about Criss Cross. <laughs> that is going to be a bad match. It, they got to keep that thing short then, and sweet. Man, yeah, and I had, then I had a, good, uh, I had a good, Gulak and uh, Orny Larkin for the Cruiserweight title. I'm uh, gonna go with Gulak for that. Man, I thought that was on the main card. Nope, not anymore. Hmm. Oh well, but uh, Gulak, yeah, Oni Larkin has been built up on Twitter and some other things on 205 Live and whatnot, but he's only been built up to be a loser. So. I'm sorry. I like Oni Lorcan though. He he has a hard hitting style. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was sick within that uh that ladder match at Takeover Twenty Five. 
Yeah. Now, it was TakeOver 25 because that was the 25th TakeOver? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just for my clarification, because I was like, 25, what the fuck is this? They haven't been around that long. <laughs> now, moving on to the main card. All right. What we got? Just rest from Wrestling Inc. starting at the bottom. Even though it's on a bottom match, but just in order. Trish Stratus for Charlotte Flair. I know we're going to be on this one for a little bit, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. So, after listening to some podcasts, you gotta think. I, I'm gonna go, this one can go anywhere because I really do speculate, like Adar said, that Sasha could maybe do her thing tonight or whatever. But, uh, so, but Trish did say it's gonna be our last match. I'm I'm gonna go with Charlotte. As much as I want Trish to win, I'm gonna go with Charlotte. And I think it's just gonna be a clean tap out, maybe a shake of hands, or maybe so. I don't know. I can't. This can go anywhere, but I'm going with Charlotte. All right, I, I pick Charlotte as well. But uh, Ajar has a theory that he would like to put out there, and um, I think it's rather interesting. Go ahead. Well, hear it. My my theory is, you know, they have all these rumors about Sasha is gonna come back. At, at SummerSlam or after SummerSlam. And I know everybody assumes, okay, she's going to go fight Becky because that's been talked about and they're even doing promos or Becky is. But my idea is, what if she helps Charlotte beat Trish so it protects Trish from the standpoint of Trish didn't lose clean. You, you got to give the win to Charlotte. So that's my prediction. Charlotte's going to win. But Sasha says, you know what, Trish, the reason I helped Charlotte is because you are supposed, I'm supposed to be your last match, not Charlotte. So I'm not going to let you retire until you face me. And I think Trish's last match should be against Sasha where Sasha loses to Trish, but then Sasha snaps, beats the crap out of her. And like stretches her out. And so she says, I'm the person who ended Trish Stratus's career, but she actually didn't pin her. Mm. That would be my way of doing it. Okay. Cool. I like it. Storytelling. But, but, but Charlotte's winning. Yeah. Charlotte's <laughs> Three way tie on that. Charlotte. All right. Charlotte's next, another, next, another legend match Bill Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> so yeah. my speculation yeah, on this is a legendary match. So random. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Which 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 your finishing time? I'm gonna go with Goldberg, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's gonna be an absolute squash. I think there's only one squash, like legit, like two three minute squash match. Later on, we'll talk about. I'll say when it comes. But um, I'm gonna go Goldberg. I think Miz is gonna get involved somehow. Maybe even Shawn Michaels. Maybe Mm -hmm. because of everything. Like it's pretty much. Even though it's Goldberg and Ziggler. It's been more Ms. Michaels and Ziggler than Goldberg. Yeah. So I don't know what's gonna happen. I I'd like to I'd like to see Ziggs go over. I don't think it's gonna happen. Hell no. But because I doubt um, Ziggs Goldberg. Like yeah, and I also don't think this is Goldberg's last match. Either. I don't think he has his last match to Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Well, yeah, I give it to Goldberg. Yeah. Uh yeah, Goldberg, Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler is not beating any main event type talent, let alone Goldberg. So he's going to lose mm. quick. 
Spear Next. Jackhammer. What we got? Oh, we, oh, next. Match I'm very excited for, and I'll explain why. Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor. So this is the match I think is going to be a squash. Wyatt's going to win very quickly. What I'm excited for is with The Fiend, he's just been doing pop-ups. Like, the, the lights go out and all that. I think it's really... They're doing really good with him so far. Hopefully they don't fuck this up. Let's say well. Yeah. But I'm excited to see how Bray Wyatt's going to make his entrance to the ring. Mm. From music to even, to like, his video. Yeah, and like, presentation. Or if he's just going to pop up in the ring. Like, yeah. I'm more excited for that, honestly. Than in ring work. Because we already know he's going to win with the mandible claw. He's been using that lately. Or Sister Abigail. His ring work's probably not going to change much, but I'm excited to see, like, I guess, yeah, like you were saying, his presentation of them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like what I was noticing or whatever, when he does the Firefly Funhouse or whatever, every element of that is just like previous incarnations of Bray Wyatt. So, like, he was heavily with the Sister Abigail character, so they had the witch puppet. And then, you know, when he first came, he had the Hawaiian shirts and followed the buzzards, so they have the buzzard character. And all that cool shit. He had he had that one painting of the house that Orton burned down in their feud. Yeah, so I like how all those little elements tie into like former incarnations of his character and whatnot. Even the, um, with the Fiend or whatever, this is not new for Bray Wyatt. When he was down in NXT before he found the Hawaiian shirt cult leader type thing, he was wearing a mask and the little apron type deal, kind of like a Leatherface thing. So. This is just kind of like a callback for him. <laughs> so, my prediction is Bray Wyatt wins very quickly. Finn Balor is taking a sabbatical. Yeah. So, he's going to lose yeah. very quickly. So, but but here's a little side note. I'm from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I've said this on the podcast. I have a lot of friends who are going to SummerSlam, went to NXT, Access. Mm-hmm. They said Bray Wyatt had the most merchandise in the Superstore. Out of anybody. Work. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. They had a lot of shirts. They had the masks. They even had, like, you could buy, like, Ramblin' Rabbit and, like, The Witch and all that oh, stuff. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. What's the other guy's name? The Buzzard? Yep. Yeah, that's fucking cool. <laughs> so, if, if Bray Wyatt is getting that kind of merchandise, clearly there's something that they have already seen with the reaction and with is the buzz online and his YouTube views that they're all in on him. I think Bray Wyatt is going to be Seth Rollins' next opponent for the Universal Title. But we'll get to that Rollins match in a sec before I give away my prediction. All right, what we got next? Next, Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens. Owens will quit if WWE loses. I hope to God this is a squash match because I am so sick of Shane McMahon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm sick you of know, Elias is going to get involved somehow. Drew McIntyre, maybe, but definitely Elias. Yeah, we just maybe. I yeah. Yeah, we just need to get rid of Shane McMahon so we can free up all these other guys. Elias can continue to do his Elias thing, but McIntyre needs to be heavily involved in some good shit, other than this teaming up with motherfuckers to get over shit. But I mean, who's to say though? I mean, he he's on TV every week because of that shit. But still, he needs his own singular type shit. <laughs> what we got next? Uh, I think Kevin Owens. Oh, I have it. Do oh, we yeah, go ahead, our go prediction. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Kevin Owens 
should win this match, but I'm going to spin it. I say Shane McMahon's going to win. I think Kevin Owens is going to quote unquote quit. And that's going to be the, the storyline that they run for a while. And then he's going to show up at AEW oh, all out. <laughs> oh. Yeah, right. You just signed a fat ass contract. He ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Him, oh, and, next. him and the motherfucking Undertaker ain't going nowhere. Sorry, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew somehow you were going to throw the Undertaker on that. That's my mission for this show. Every time, even if he ain't in conversation, I'm throwing his punk ass under the bus. <laughs> All right, next. On my overall match, I'm looking forward to the most, and I think it could potentially be match of the night. United States title match, Ricochet versus the champion, AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. I am going Ricochet. Hmm. Interesting pick. What have you, Ajar? Takes a deep breath. I think I think AJ is going to win because the club should have belts, and you know they're really pushing them. And but I I feel bad for Ricochet because it's like then where does he go? Uh-huh. But I think AJ is going to win. Yeah, AJ as well in my pick. Yeah, the club thing just going to roll on through. Huh? So. Fuck it. AJ Styles for the win. And then, I mean, Ricochet won't be necessarily hurt, but once again, as you said, where, where, what's going to happen with him next? Alistair Black came in and had an amazing match with Cesaro, and where the fuck he at now? <laughs> yep. So am I the only one who said Ricochet? Sorry. Yes, you did. Yeah. All right. SmackDown, women's title match. Ember Moon versus Bailey. Happy, very happy to actually see this didn't get sent to the pre-show. Very happy about that. Mm-hmm. I was really afraid of that. Um, it's battle. You no, know, the- this is another. I, this is another one that can. What if Sasha comes back and betrays Bailey in this one, and they go for the SmackDown Women's Title? You know that could happen. Yeah. You know, as much as I want Ember. Oh, as much as I want Ember. <laughs> I think I might have to go Bailey. All right, battle of the bubble butts. Who win in this? Rob, who do you got? Um, I want Ember Moon to win. <laughs> yeah. If you were if you were to bet money, who would you bet on? Oh, um, if I were to bet money, I'd probably go with Bailey. Okay, so that's your pick. Here. <laughs> so Bailey, uh, I think begrudgingly is his pick. I think Bailey wins. Uh, I think Amber Moon's a phenomenal talent. But let's be honest, she barely gets a reaction when she comes out. Mm-hmm. They're whole, they're headed over to Fox. Clearly, Bailey is probably going to drop the title to Charlotte on the first episode of SmackDown on Fox. Uh, it, you know, Bailey is going to have the title. She's going to have probably one more feud, and then she probably loses to Charlotte. So my prediction is Bailey. Word. Yep. All in agreement. Next, the mission match. Look at the Raw Women's title. Natalia versus Becky. I'll speak on everyone. Becky. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyone want to throw anything in? You can. I think Becky's going to win because she's on the cover of the video game. And I can't remember the last time that that person lost in their first match after the announcement. So yeah. Becky's going to win. Because I, I, was, I was curious when she was going to drop it, but. I think she's going to hold that title now till at least 
the game drops October, November. I don't see her losing it anytime soon now. Yeah. yeah, so then then you you ask yourself if that's really the case, which if it's logical, would they really bring Sasha back just to have her lose the because because to me Sasha will come back and win the title. I don't know when it's going to be, but she's coming back and she's going to win the title because her story is going to be, you know, I've been I'm changing my my character to now win the title. And I think that that she should only lose it. Becky should only lose the title, Sasha. She should not lose to anybody else on that roster. There's nobody else even close to ready for the the title. So, yeah, I I think Becky wins. But I think this might be the sleeper matches of the card that no one's talking about. Don't ask me why I feel that way, but I feel like this might be one of the better matches on the card. Okay. I think it will be a good match. Uh, next, another another one I'm really looking forward to. WWE title, Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston. Kofi. Now, mine, Kofi, like, Kofi, like, Kofi. Yeah, I'm, I'm Kofi. going for Kofi because I've already read, not like Sploy or nothing, but this match is advertised for Hell in a Cell locally, wherever it's at. So, it's either Randy wins and that's the rematch, or Randy gets another match again, which we've seen happen all the time, but I do think Kofi gets the big win. Yeah. What you got, dude? I'm gonna pick Randy Orton. Randy Orton? I think Randy Orton. Yep, I think Randy Orton's gonna be the first champ going into Fox. Oh yeah, I forgot about that shit. Oh no. I'm picking Randy Orton. Uh, He he. He epitomizes Fox News, so I mean, I'm picking Randy Orton. I mean that that pick was in the back of my mind, but now that you bring up the Fox shit, I mean I'm like I'm nervous now. <laughs> but I mean, we, me and Nick even talked about it before you came on or whatever. It was just like Kofi needs to win this one, and I don't give a shit. After this one, he can lose. You know, anybody after this Randy Orton match, he can lose to. I don't give a fuck after that. But he had to win this one. Hey, Charlotte. Pedro, let me ask you. Rob and I were talking about this too before. Do you see Kofi as a one title reign guy? Like, do you see him ever winning the title again? No, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't I think don't. so either. Yeah, same. Because he was never supposed to get the belt to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As sad as that sounds. I'm honestly, I'm honestly shocked he's held it this long. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like a Christian you gotta type think thing. He's, he's, yeah, but you also got to think. Jinder Mahal won the title yeah. the month after Mania, which was what May, and he held that shit all the way to November. Mm-hmm. True, true, deep. The thing, yeah, the, yeah, the thing. I think what it is now, what's gonna happen with Kofi, which I actually really like, and I'm gonna like about it is how many times has Kofi or so, a character like Kofi came down to the final person in the elimination chamber, and it's like. It's like wow, it looks like he could actually win, but you know, deep down, like that guy's not gonna win. Mm-hmm. Like now with Kofi, say it's Kofi and say like AJ Styles, the last two in the elimination chamber or something. Yeah. You now I won't assume AJ wins because you never know because they've already put the belt on Kofi. Yeah. It it it, de- it definitely gives credibility and lo- more to his career. Him having that title. Yeah, definitely. You know, Grand Slam champion, all that. You got to think like Jinder Mahal. Like he's not. He's not like that. He got that because they wanted to go to India, and that was a fool. A fluke. 
But I mean, on paper, um, Kofi, Kofi Kingston is Hall of Fame okay. material, baby. Oh hell yeah! I think Kofi's probably going to be a two-time Hall of Famer. Yeah, true, yeah, because they'd be dumb as fuck not to put the New Day in there at some point. I, I, I kind of want to go a little upside. Continue. No, no, no I was just going to say, I, and I know this almost for a fact: the New Day has been Vince's favorite act for like three years. Oh, he was them. That's why I don't see them splitting he up anytime loves soon. Loves the new. I mean, of all the acts, he loves the New Day. That they, they have never, like, they've never really not been pushed since they kind of came up with the whole serial thing. Like, they're just his favorite act. So, like, our truth. As much as everybody, everybody's like, yeah, hey, our truth is a first ballot Hall of Famer. In oh, no brainer. Down. No greater Hall of Famer. And, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if Sasha returned to win the 24-7 title? <laughs> oh, that would be fucking hilarious. I love that. That would yeah, so throw... Actually, at, oh, no, you're good. That, that would throw everybody off. My thing is, I want two little tangents quick. Kofi, definitely two-time Hall of Famer. This, so, this, that's the only thing... In a weird way, but good way. Like about the WWE. Like, do you think Triple H is going to be like a three-time Hall of Famer? I don't even think he wanted to be a one-time Hall of Famer, to be honest. Uh, or no, even... I think he wants to be like Vince McMahon and just go out and die before he can go in. <laughs> go out to pastor. <laughs> I'm just walk off into this field And then, quick. speaking of Hall of Famer, I'm really, sure, I'm really curious when they're going to induct The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got to think, Stone Cold got inducted in 09. Yeah, well, that was still like, was coming around plenty of time. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't pulled the trigger on The Rock yet. Maybe they'll do it. If they're going to do it, I don't think it'll be this year. I wouldn't be surprised because rumor is it's obviously Tampa this year coming up. The rumor next year is L.A. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they inducted The Rock into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then Tampa kind of makes sense, too, because are you from Miami or he claims Miami. So. Yeah. Yeah, so who knows? But I think he'll go in within the next. Well, no, you know what? It's already obvious. The first, the big headliner this year is probably going to be Batista. Hmm. Since he just retired and all that, I think it's going to be Batista. Because I think they've already offered him the Hall of Fame. And he said no because he wants to retire. Like, he wanted that, that match with Triple H. I think it was in Dallas or one of them. They wanted it to be Batista. Hmm. Word. Okay, so we down to the last match. And then before we get into the before we get into the next one, do you what do we think is going to happen twenty four seven wise tonight? Uh, Drake Maverick probably get his belt back because I mean at this point it's just do you think do you, do you think he'll ever he'll ever be anything more than that? Like because all the stuff he's doing on Twitter and stuff, he's getting a lot of love. Oh yeah, I mean, he, like, I wonder if the like, I wonder if they're all tracking now, like WWE. Like, I feel Drake Maverick like some of their favorite people. Yeah, because he he is yeah. good. He is good. See, the thing that I like about the twenty four seven title that people seem to miss is that you don't have to be in the main event picture to have a prominent role on the TV show because it's an ensemble type of thing. So not every feud is going to have the world title associated with it, which is what they fail to do with the women repeatedly 
but at least they've gotten it right with the twenty the twenty four seven title to me is like the old hardcore title. Yeah. Or like a Val Venus or a Godfather where they might not be world title picture guys, but they might have the most entertaining stuff on the show. And a lot of Monday nights, truth is the best thing about the show. Yeah. Him and Drake yeah. and and Michelle and Carmella like this should lead to the mixed match challenge if they're going to do that again. But I got to say, man, what I think is going to happen tonight is a Canadian wrestler is going to win the title. Like it's going to be, they're going to win it and then they're going to lose it right away. Like I could see a uh, Christian winning it mm-hmm. and then losing it or, um, Bret Hart can't do anything, so yeah, I would I would say well, that, that that's mean, my prediction. Well, that doesn't even mean anything because damn, you know, um, freaking million dollar man, old ass can do shit either. But they rigged it like in the limo where you didn't see him actually take the pin. So I mean, yeah, they, they can make right, anything right. happen. Yeah, they could do that. Yeah. So what and, we got? Uh, and then next, the um, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Oh my god! I don't want to see this shit. <laughs> Just get it yeah, over with. Yeah, I. It's nuts. It's nuts because you can ask Rob, and you guys probably remember back like even in like to like May, I was like a big Seth Rollins guy. Still, is guy's tremendously talented, obviously. But just I ever since they put him with Becky into that. I just felt both of them have gone downhill. Becky's kind of floated and saved herself. But Seth's being too good of a good guy. Like, not that he's portraying it very good, but he's acting too good. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of get what you're saying. Just like ho- yeah. hokey and just like not natural and shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you can be a face, but don't be like a face face. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think. I want to say Seth. I think Seth's going to win, though. Seth, Seth has to win, or else he might as well take a sabbatical, too. He has been booked terribly this whole feud. He got his... He comes out with a chair and got his ass kicked. Yeah, cause- Like, do you know what kind of a loser you have to be to come out with a weapon and get the shit kicked out of you? Like, first off, what good guy comes out with the weapon? Number one. Number two, they come out with a weapon and get their ass kicked, and they don't even, like, Brock didn't even cheat to beat him up. He just got his ass kicked. Like, Seth Rollins is going to win tonight, but I don't really want him to win, if that makes sense. Like, I'm bored of Seth Rollins, Mm -hmm. this version of it. He is stale. And his promos have been just borderline atrocious. The, The stupid relationship that him and Becky, that's just ruined it for me, too. I want to see that. You remember there was a Raw, I don't know, it was recently, like two months ago, where Seth went around and beat the shit out of everybody who he thought was going to be a special ref with the chair? Yeah. That's the Seth Rollins I want to see. That's the guy I will cheer for. I I cannot cheer for this guy. He's a loser. And this is my problem with WWE. They don't know how to book baby faces. He's a loser. He has come across like a loser. Seth is going to win, though. He has to win because if they did all this for him to lose, then they don't think much of him. And I don't think that's the case. So I think he's going to win. Yeah, but so I agree. 
I agree, but see how you said they did all this for him to lose? What about when Roman lost to Brock at Mania? Everyone was thinking he was going to win. Yeah, you're right. Everybody thought he was going to (laughs) win. But remember, though, he was supposed to win at the greatest show in Saudi Arabia, and they screwed the finish up. Was he actually supposed to win there? He was supposed to win, and that's why... But he was supposed to win in more of a definitive, like he was supposed to steer him and kind of, I guess, hit the floor first. And it was really controversial. But then it got so muddy that they just decided to drag it out to SummerSlam. And then there's also the other rumor of Brock signed the new deal right before the, the Saudi Arabia show. So then they extended it. Who knows with that guy? Like Brock, he's the smartest businessman in the history of wrestling other than Hulk Hogan. Oh, like yeah. he uses UFC oh, yeah. to make more money. He, mm-hmm. He's just he's just a brilliant businessman. But Seth Rollins is winning the title tonight, and I don't know where they go from here. But he's winning. Yeah, I miss Braun Strowman. Yeah, I miss over Braun Strowman. Is he not in the? Huh? Is he not hurt? No, I don't think so. No, he's not. On, no, neither is Roman. Mm-hmm. But you know they're going to do something with Roman tonight. It's Roman Reigns. He's literally on the poster. They're probably going to dig more into that angle that he's um, getting attacked and stuff. Uh, uh, Sasha Banks is on the original SummerSlam poster, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that remains to so. be seen. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah. That's it. That's the. Yeah, that, that's SummerSlam. So, I think for the most part, we're. Uh, we agreed, I think, on everything, honestly, for the most part. I think the only one we had a disagreement on was uh, me picking Ricochet or AJ Styles. Yeah, pretty much. I think everything else was uh, pretty good. Word. I right, will. We can get into this switch topics now from wrestling. Oh, so y'all want to talk about the thing that's been sweeping the internet by storm, which is uh, the top 50 MTs of all time and whatnot. So can I give some some context on how this whole thing started? So well, let's let's let's, thing- do, let's do this real quick. Go ahead, because uh, this has been running kind of long and whatnot. Um, okay, this is where we end the wrestling portion of the show, and uh, I will implore you all to follow us all on Twitter again at Wrestling Be Trash and Instagram at Wrestling Is Trash, and you can find all these lovely episodes on WrestlingIsTrash dot com. So um, with that being said. I have been your boy B Rob. We have Nick Anaselli and the king himself, Mr. Ajar. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Ajar is your father. Ajar. There you go. <laughs> so uh we'll see you next time. Now let's talk about this shit over here. <laughs> now go ahead and give, give you context clues and whatnot. Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls is the illest. Are you asking me who my number one is? Oh, no, no, no. You said you was trying to get some context and whatnot and some things and hear it. Okay. So I follow a lot of hip-hop accounts on Twitter, and there's one that they posted their top 50 MCs. And the reason that this became a thing is they put Joe Budden number three. What? Because, right, top 50 lists have been done from the end of time, from the beginning of time, mm-hmm. Okay. But the only reason this one got trending on Twitter is because they put Joe Budden as number three. So they had 
they had Biggie, Jay-Z, and Joe Button. Like, that was your first three. Uh, and this was, like, so, hosted by who? It was called, oh, let me, oh, I'll find it. So my next but question, they, but my next question would be, uh, do they have any affiliation with Joe Button? Does Joe Button do any work with them or whatever the case may be? That, that would be my only question. No, no, actually, Joe Button himself did a podcast. He has his own podcast. Yeah, yeah. And, Which I've heard oh, okay, good. No, sorry. It's great. Here, here it is. It's called, you know, 50-50 enter- Entertainment. Mm-hmm. 50, and I was wrong about it. 50 greatest rappers of all time. Number one, Jay-Z. Number two, Nas. Number three, Joe Budden. Number four, Styles P. Number five, Black Thought. You know a list really sucks when they have Fab at number six, mm-hmm. Jada Kiss at seven, and they have Biggie at number eight. Like, Terrible. But anyways, the, the point is, the point is, they had Joe Button at number three. And so that day, Joe Button got, he was the number one trend on Twitter. And everybody thought, oh, did he die? Did something happen? It was because he was number three. Joe Button's podcast the next week was called Joe Button, a.k.a. number three, wink, wink. It was a joke because he mm-hmm. made fun of the list. Like he himself said, yeah. I would never put myself near the top 10, 20. Do I think I'm a great rapper? Yeah. But do I think I'm, like, if you put a gun to my head, do you think I'm best? I think I'm the best because you're supposed to think you're the best. But I'm not Biggie. I'm not Jay. I'm not Nas. I'm not blah, blah, blah. So it, it was like everybody then started to do their own top 50. So, you know, Hot 97 did their own top 50. And The Breakfast Club did their own top 50. And Mike Tyson did his own top 50. And, you know, myself, and I'm not going to give my age on the podcast, but I'm old, I'm older. I skew young, though, because of the way I dress and because I think I'm younger than I am. Yeah. I've been listening to hip-hop a long time, and I've been listening since the late 80s. So that should give everybody a little bit of a hint. And so then people started to text me, and they say, hey, you should do your own top 50. And I just decided to whiteboard it. So then I thought about your podcast, Rob, and I said, well, why don't we talk about it on your on your show because it seems to be the hot thing. And I've gotten a lot of response on my top 50. Like a lot of people have followed me and then DM'd me and then unfollowed me. And <laughs> you know, because yeah. like they'd follow me, why'd you put Pharaoh Mon so low? Uh, okay, and then they unfollowed me right away. So the point is, obviously, this is something that everybody has a passion about. Yeah. Because everybody, most people who like hip hop, everybody knows the barbershop argument. Chris Rock made a whole movie about it. Mm-hmm. It's called Top Five. And that's where this stems from. Like when you've been in the barbershop, as much as I have and anybody else has, you argue this stuff. And that's what this became. So now it's, it's kind of taking a life of its own where everybody's doing their own top 50. And I got to say, like, I like my top 50 because it's mine. Of the ones I've seen that isn't mine, Mike Tyson had the best one. Yeah. Now, now look, you, you bring up Mike Tyson, and I said this on Twitter as well, and I haven't got a response on it, but I'm going to ask the both of you since you're here. When you seen or heard that Mike Tyson put out a top 50 list, did you read it in his voice or read all the context with a lisp? Because <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah, you I, have to. You have to. I did, and I also know that, like, a lot of the guys, Mike Tyson's list skews very old, just like mine does, because Mike Tyson 
was friends with a lot of the people on his own list. Like, he was really good friends with Tupac, right? He was there with the night Tupac died yeah. in the hospital. So, you know, Mike Tyson loves hip-hop, and he knows his hip-hop. So his opinion was really, like, it meant something to me to see his list. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I decided to do my own top 50. I went through several drafts, and, you know, I came up with, what I thought was a fair top 50, but even as much as I thought it was fair, I've gotten a lot of messages like, where's Sean Price? Okay. Where's Royce the 5'9"? Where's this? So, is you know? he, now, you, you, you approach me with this idea and everything, you know, I, I'm always about giving everyone a platform to put their stuff out there, but whatever. But like, for me to come up with a top 50 list, you know, it's very hard for me because I, I view music differently. I don't think I view it any different from anyone else but like I feel like my shit about music is weird because like everybody there's a lot of lists that have Biggie number one on their list and whatnot. but to me I'm like yeah what I've heard of him has been awesome but there was not a lot of him to hear so alright we got what three albums from Biggie maybe I believe or two we got two you got you got two Life After Death is a double album, so you can count that yeah, yeah. as another album. Yeah. You also have the first Junior Mafia album, which yeah. he was on eight songs, and he wrote a lot of Little Kim's early stuff. Yeah. He was on a number of, he did a lot of cameos from the yeah. Flavor in Year remix, Dolly My Baby. Um, and the one thing you guys will learn, learn about me, if you haven't already figured it out, I am a walking hip-hop encyclopedia. Okay. But, like, but, but, but that's the thing, though. So, we did. We, I kind of, I, I kind of feel like I've only got a sample size of what Biggie Small, Smalls had to offer, or whatever. You know, unfortunately, his life was cut short. But who's to say that every album after what we got was trash? Would he still be number one on everybody's know, list? You know, it's funny. That's Jay Z's argument. Mm -hmm. It's funny because you know Jay Z has always said Biggie is his number one rapper, like his favorite rapper of all time. They were also really good friends. Yeah, but. Somebody in the interview said, well, you know, you're now saying you're the GOAT. Well, how could you say you're better than Biggie? And he said, Biggie never had a chance to fall off. Yeah. Like, he didn't. You know, Biggie came out with Ready to Die. He was great. He came out with One More Chance Remix. He was great. He came up with the Gap, the Junior Mafia album. He was great. He did Life After Death. He died. He never got to make Kingdom Come or any of these other whack Jay-Z albums because... Mm. Jay-Z's made so much music that, of course, you're going to have misses in there. Yeah. And that's his argument against Biggie, which is he was almost like he benefited because at, he died at his absolute peak of his powers. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. You know, you he would have gone, it. honestly, he would have went off so much. He died as hypnotized hit the airwaves. Yeah. And victory and the Benjamins, right? Like, that's when he died. Mm -hmm. So, like, your memory of Biggie Smalls is always he been died good. as the greatest. Mm -hmm. So he'll never, he'll never not be. But then you got to understand, there's also other rappers who have done their list, who have put Biggie as number one. Yeah. You know, Cannabis, very famously in 1997, when he was battling Al Cool J. And got murdered. He said, you know, yeah, but what did, no, well, Second Round Rock was a great song, but what did yeah. he say? He said, you know, that, rhyme was the worst shit I ever heard in my life because the greatest rapper of all time died on March 9th. So mm -hmm. it's like 
the greatest MCs of all time are saying Biggie is the best. Common, I've, I've met Common at an airport in Chicago. I've met him a couple other times too, but we had a conversation about hip hop in the airport at the Starbucks in, um, in O'Hare. And I asked him, I said, who's the best rapper ever? And he said, he goes, it's out of Nas and Biggie. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I love his Nas. Type of, Nas right. For his type of hip hop, he loves Nas more than he likes Biggie, but he thinks Biggie is the best because he says Biggie could do everything. Mm-hmm. He could do the girl song. He could do the hardcore street song. He could do the drug song. He could do the storytelling song. He mm-hmm. could do the romantic One More Chance or Big Papa type of song. So it's like, the point is, a lot of rappers look at Biggie as the best. A lot of rappers now, think Pac is the best. Now, a lot of rappers think Nas is the best. Now, you know, a lot of rappers think Jay-Z is the best. Now, um, a c- comparison-wise, you know, just um, how you talked about, you know, he can do this type of song, this type of song, this type of song, or whatever. In my mind, you know, anybody that can be comparable kind of to Biggie right now, current day, is Rick Ross. What do you feel about that? He tries to be no. Biggie. Yes. Well, I didn't say he tried to be <laughs> yeah, Biggie. I didn't say he tried never, to be. I just no said it's comparable. Like that. Yeah. No. He, the difference is Rick Ross just isn't as clever with his words as Biggie was. Like, I remember this, and, you know, I just talked about Common, so I'll, I'll tell a quick story here, if you don't mind, Rob. Mm. So I was in high school, and I went to Common and the Beat Nuts. Uh, it was a concert in Toronto. And the song Who Shot You came on. And my friend was the DJ that night, Mastermind. What's up? And he played Who Shot You. And I've never seen rappers bob their head so hard to another rapper's song. Mm-hmm. They went back to Mastermind and they, they were in the DJ booth. And Common went to him and goes, Yo, run that again. Mm-hmm. Play it again. He goes, Yo, run that again. And he goes, When he said, my heartbeat sounds like Sasquatch feet mm-hmm. thundering, shaking the concrete. He goes, I knew I would never be that good. So, <laughs> so the point is, I think Biggie, like he has so many lines in my life that I have rewound over and over and over again. Like when he did kick my, the door. My favorite. Mine, I like stay far from Tim and only make moves in your heart and it with the phrase sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah mine sky's the limit one, really one, one, one of my favorite songs. All right. Yeah, Sky's the Limit's a really good song. And I remember when I heard Kicking the Door, and I, I heard Kicking the Door like two weeks before the album came up. And I remember he said, you know, tote, he goes, um, you know, sell powder like Johnson and Johnson, tote steel like Bronson, vigilante. You want to get on, son, you need to ask me. But then when he said, um, I drop unexpectedly like bird shit. I was like, oh, this guy is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And Rick Ross is good. Like, I I changed my top 50 because I forgot Rick Ross the first time. So I had to put him in there. And that kicked somebody out. And the person I kicked out was Sean Price. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were upset about that because they look, you know, Sean Price is great. But Rick Ross, will he can never, he's never going to be the guy that I rewind 50 times in, like, a sitting. Like, Biggie made my head snap. I wrote the shit Biggie rapped about on paper just to see how those lines would fit. Mm -hmm. I would never do that for Rick Ross. 
But I also, Rick Ross came out at a time when I was already a lot older and I understood hip hop a lot better. Um, you know, Biggie came out when I was in high school and the stuff he was saying just blew my mind. Like the painted, the pictures he painted, like, you know, when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. I ain't I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, it ain't hard to fucking tell. I don't want to go to heaven, you know, with the goody goodies dressed in white. I want black Tims and black hoodies. God will probably have me on some real strict shit. No getting, no sleeping all day. No getting my dick licked. Just the 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 way Biggie would paint a picture, I felt like I could see the movie come out in my glasses. Okay. Like I could picture his raps as movie scenes. Okay. So, like if you listen to um if you listen to uh what's beef or you listen to somebody's gotta die. Well so, I think I'm spoiling my list because I yeah, think yeah, the way I, I talk about, about this person, everybody's gonna figure out who my number one is. But yeah. So um <laughs> anybody got a eight ball on their list from MJ eight ball and MJG? Nobody? Huh? You know what? <laughs> I I had eight ball as an honorable mention. I really did. I thought eight ball was really really good in the late nineties. You know the and he did some the, of the similar the, things that you was talking about with Biggie. He could tell a good story because I remember um I forget I, he was I don't really good yeah because I don't remember the exact song whatever but he was talking about um robbing a bitch in the hotel you got shot in the leg and all kind of crazy shit I can just remember it pieces or whatever I was like this is oh. a goddamn movie like how you saying. <laughs> But that's the thing, though. Like, I've been listening to hip-hop for so long that there are, like, 150 rappers I like. Like, I like Too Short. Oh, yeah. But he's not on my list. Mm -hmm. But I love oh, Too Short. Yeah. Right? Wait, but he's not on my your, list. Well, what's your opinion? What's your opinion? I've always liked him. And, you know, you might laugh at it. I don't know if he's on top 50, in your opinion. What do you honestly think of 50 Cent? I like him. Well, 50, 50 is on my list. He's definitely on my list. Here's my opinion about I 50 love Fifty Cent. Get Richard Die Trying. Yeah, Get Richard Die Trying was his 50, best album to me. If you take yeah, Fifty oh, Cent from album. 1999, like if you guys go back, I don't have you. If either of you heard his first album, not Get Richard Die Trying. Yeah, guess who's Power back? of a Dollar. Yeah. Oh no no. Yeah. Okay. So Power of a Dollar, in my opinion is better than Get Rich or Die Try. Is that the one to where but, he was talking ooh. about all the different rappers and everything, like Robin Big Pun and all kind of well, stuff that's, like that? That's one, that's one song. Yeah, but yeah. He had songs like Ghetto Quran and, you know... Wankster um, was the originally last, on that album, too. Wankster was on the 8 Mile soundtrack. What song was on that was um, uh, Murder, yeah. I Don't Believe You, yeah, Murder. That. that song was on Get Rich or Die Try. So, oh. I mean, on Power of oh, Dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he started but, going at Ja Rule. Right. So, I love 50 Cent, too. Like, to me, from 1999 to, like, 04, I was as big a 50 Cent fan as you could find. I had all his mixtapes. I bought all that shit from the bootlegger, which is, you know, 50 Cent is the truth, 50 Cent is the future, all of his mixtapes he had. When he got shot, I was sad because I really loved his first album that never got released. But I think 50 became too big too quick, and that's why he kind of waned. Because, like, when you get that big so quickly, and 50 will tell you this, he never wanted to be, like, a Nas, a Biggie, a Jay-Z. He just wanted to make a lot of money off hip-hop. 
Mm-hmm. He never wanted to be like this MC. Like he even said, he goes, Lloyd Banks a better rapper than I am. Like I, mm-hmm. he goes, I never cared about the best lines, the best metaphors. Like I didn't give a shit about that. I just wanted to make enough money so I could do other shit, books, movies, etc. Which yeah. I think which he did, and it is doing. Which he did, which he did. So to me, Yo, I think speaking of Lloyd Banks, Lloyd Banks is Lloyd Banks is our dude. Yeah. Yeah, I like Lloyd Banks. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Lloyd Banks fan. So, my answer to your question is, I think Fifty, if he applied himself and gave a shit about hip hop, would have been higher on my list because when he is motivated and gives a shit to rap, he's really good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's cared literally since. I don't think he's cared since Get Richard I tried. Mm-hmm. Now like, the master I thought was pretty good. Like. He, he, everybody knows, like, he admitted, like, I get money, it's like, that was the last I time I felt the 50 Cent song. Mm-hmm. Huh? I don't even like that song. Right? That was the last time I felt the 50 record. So, to me, um, you know, 50's doing other things. He has one of the most successful cable shows of all time in power. He did a deal with Vitamin Water. He has a deal with BET. I mean, he's making his money in other places. Good for him. He's a great businessman. You know, he's a very smart guy. But man, I do miss motivated. I want to be the best rapper. Fifty Cent. He was great. I mean, he went at Jay Z. He went at you know Ja. He didn't give a shit. Like, what did he say about Jay Z? Everyone. If I shoot, you know, he goes, "If I shoot you, I'm famous. If you shoot me, you're brainless. You said it yourself." I'm slick enough to take your own rhymes and send them back at you. Like, 50 was great. It just, like I said, he became too big too quick, and he did. he's never loved hip-hop the way the others have, in my opinion. Okay. But, yeah, so, I like 50 a lot. I'm yeah. a huge fan. All right. So How could we, you not be? We, we've talked about this thing roundabout, but we never got into any of the picks on the top 50. So let's just do it like this for time's sake. Um, just go. Th- you gonna go. We're going to go backwards from 50. And you just give us ten at a time, so fifty. Oh, geez, down. You're be here forever. No, I ain't talking about break them down one by one. Just give us freaking fifty down to forty. <laughs> so fifty. You want me to do it? Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> Ajar. Okay, I have my list right in front of me. Here we go. Number fifty, Royce the five nine. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Number forty nine, fabulous. Mm-hmm. Number 48, Method Man. Number 47, Beanie Siegel. Number 46, 50 Cent. Number 45, Jeezy. 44, Grand Poobah. Number 43, Jizza. 42, Big Boy. 41, Snoop. 40, T.I. All right, T.I. We stop at uh, 40 right there. Let's talk about T.I. He had some... Um, I think I came across him on... Uh, it was after the I'm Serious album. So what big single came off of that next album? Rubber Band Man. Yeah, that's why uh, it was either Rubber Band Man or 24s or something like that. 24s. Oh, so the I'm Serious album, right? First ever album for D.I. He um, had a whole album produced by the Neptunes yeah. at the peak of their powers, and it was a complete flop. Yeah, it was. It was a complete flop, right? It's he literally said it sold like twenty thousand copies, like it was a flop. He 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 wanted off his deal. 
at Eric, so they kicked him off. Like, he, he got bought out. He decided to put back mixtape, and he did Grand Hustle, came out with r- the, the trap music album, which is Rubber Band and 24s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Just Doing My Job, which is the first kind of Kanye West beat outside of the Rockefeller camp. Yeah. So the thing about T.I. is I've always been a huge T.I. fan. And he probably should be higher on my list. But he raps really about one or two things. Mm -hmm. And I think because I, because Jay-Z exists, that's why I don't think I would ever put T.I. so far up the list because he's really like a South Jay-Z. I mean, that's what he is. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's what he is. Nick, did you have a list? Uh, yeah, but I don't want to say because mine's all over the place. Honestly, yeah. I didn't really get the finalized stuff. And, okay. Yeah. All right, so Ajo's list. And the thing with me, too, is I feel I'm a little irrelevant here due to age. I, like some of the guys, like Ajo, I was just saying, like, Heard of them, know of them, but don't, you know, probably listen to them more, would agree, but that's the difference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. So okay. we'll go from 40 down to 30. What will we get? Number th- okay. 39. All right. Number 39, Style P, your mm-hmm. favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Number yeah. 38, Cameron. Number 37, The Game. Number 37, Guru. Number 35, Lil Wayne. Number 34, Pusha T. Number 33, Rick Ross. Number 32, MC Light. Number 31, Most Def. Number 30, Scarface. All right, Scarface. That's a good... Uh, that's my shit. The Diary was his first album that I heard front to back, and I loved the whole thing. But, you know, I, 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 I knew stuff from from the, like the Ghetto Boys and all kind of stuff like that. The Mr. The Mr. Scarface and all that shit. Yep. But, like... Yep. Love that album. When he did the song with a uh, Tupac smile with a uh, Johnny P on the vocals, yep. my God! And then um, I think one of my this I wouldn't say it's my favorite song, but um, one of my top songs from him because of the video and the visuals that went with it was uh, "My Block" off the My Homies album, I believe. Mm, my block is off the fix. Oh, the fix. You're right. You're right. The fix. Right. That's the one. So. With the, the coke on the cover and shit. Again, yeah. <laughs> when you make a list like this, and then you you write the list down, you take a picture of it, you put it on Instagram, and then right away you're like, ah, I've missed, I missed things. Mm-hmm. I feel like I put Scarface too low. I did. When I when I reread my list, I feel like Scarface should be higher, and here's why: longevity. He's up there with anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had a hell of a career. He was making classic hip hop in 1991. He was still making classic hip hop in 2003. That's 12 years. That's a hell of a run. He's one of the best storytellers ever. Mm-hmm. I paint the picture guy. He's amazing. He has, in my opinion, the greatest hip hop song ever to come out of the South and one of the five best hip hop songs ever. In my mind is playing tricks on me. Like that song is one of the five best songs ever. It was the precursor to Biggie and Tupac about talking about death. Like the way Biggie and Tupac talk about death, Ghetto Boys were doing that first. They yeah. did that with my mind is playing tricks on me. So 
I think me having Scarface at number 30 is a regional bias. I will readily admit this. I love the Ghetto Boys, mm-hmm. but I love my eyes playing tricks on me. And I love the diary. I love the world is yours. But at the time when he was making his best music, Tripod Quest was out. Mm-hmm. Vail Soul was out. Public Enemy was out. Yeah, you had more people to choose from. was out. Yeah. Right. And I'm living in the East Coast, and it's like we're not really hearing Face in the clubs or at house parties. We're hearing Nas. We're hearing J-Ru. We're hearing Biggie. And, and you know, there's so many rappers that I, I miss on my greatest MCs list that I probably like more than I like Scarface. Like, I like Buckshot from Black Moon more than I like Scarface, but I got to give credit where credit is due. So... Yeah, that's why Scarface is number 30. I think you can make a case for him to be much higher. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a case for him to be right where he is. Or you could, if you've never heard of him, put him further down. But I don't know. Like, I feel like this is where he belongs. But I feel like he could be a tad higher, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Um, let's go. 29 to 20. All right. Number 29. <laughs> Drake. Okay. Number 28, Pharaoh Monch. Number get, get, get 27, Ray Kwan. Hmm? Uh, no, I was doing some Pharaoh Monch. But um, some more of Joe's song, um, Simon Says? Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what, yeah, he tried to go for. Number 27, Ray Kwan, the chef from Wu Tang. Number 26, Lauren Hill. Number 25, Kendrick Lamar. Number 24, Andre 3000. Number 23, Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Number 22, Jadakiss. Number 21, Q-Tip. Number 20, Big L. Now, that's another Big one. Big L. Yeah, that's another one there. Here I am. I, I'm not afraid to admit my age. 37 years old. Goddamn. I have never heard or I could not recognize a Big L song. Oh, I love so, the Big Picture. I like the Big Picture. Yeah. I know, of them. I know who he was, but I can't recognize his music. So here's the thing I with Big L, right? Big L. Big L, L I, I think Big L is number 20 on my list for where I thought his career would have ended up more than what he actually produced because he died. He died yeah. in 1999. His career got cut short and he didn't even release. He only released at that time one album. In 1999, when he died, he only had one album, which is Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. That came out in 1995. So, Big L is every bit the rapper Jay-Z is. He's every bit the rapper. You could, he's, he was the closest thing to Biggie I heard as being that smart-ass street talk guy. And the way Big L just says things, was like, I've never heard anything like it. And if you go and listen to Rob, I'm going to give you one song to go listen to from Big L. And it's called Ebonics. Yeah, I'm down. And it's all, and it's off the Big Picture album, right? Where he breaks down um, street lyrics or street vocabulary. And the original song title was Criminal Slang, but he calls it Ebonics. But it's brilliant. And he is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I put Big L as number 20 because I truly believe Big L was going to be the next big superstar in hip-hop if he didn't get killed. He signed to Rockefeller, and two months after he signed to Rockefeller, and this was Jay-Z at the height of his Hard Knock Life tour, 
was going to take Big L all over the country on tour, let Big L open for crowds of 20,000 people, I think Big L was going to be the biggest, was going to be one of the biggest stars that hip hop ever had. And I think that he was going to be that guy. And I think I am projecting where he would have ended up. Um, but you can make a case that there are a lot of rappers who deserve to be on this list above Big L, let alone at number 20. Um, DMX is one because I, I did not mention DMX and there's a couple of others, but I don't know, man. I just like clever rappers, guys who, who are witty with their punchlines. And like, you know, when Big L said, um, you know, a girl asked for a ring, I put one around her eye, like stuff like that <laughs> was just clever to me. Or where he said, I won't give a chick nothing but hard dick and bubble gum. It sounds like, like you're very misogynistic. You, you just want to abuse women or something there, HR. You something you're trying to tell well, us? Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's the thing, like, he had one of my favorite Big L lines. He goes, all my girls make Tony Braxton look like Whoopi. Yeah. All right, or he goes, all your, he goes, all of my chicks make Tony Braxton look like Whoopi. And that, like, I was thinking about it. Like, how hot do your women have to be if they make Tony Braxton look like Whoopi? And we're talking about Tony Braxton in their prime, not yeah. now. But my point is he was clever. And I like clever. So that's why Big L is number 20. Okay. Anything to add there, Nick? Yeah. All right. 19 to 10. All right. Now this is where yeah. this is this is where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. Number 19, Chicago's finest common or common sense. Oh, I thought you number were about to say 18, Twister. Ghost, <laughs> number 18, Ghostface Killer. Mm -hmm. Number 17, Prodigy of Mob Deep. Mm -hmm. Number 16, Cool, uh, Black Thought of the Root. Number 15, Cool G Rap. Number 14, Big Pun. Number 13, Chuck D from Public Enemy. Number 12, Redman. Number 11, Slick Rick. All right. Who's Slick Rick. I mean, Slick Rick is one of the greatest rappers of all time. Period. End of story. He has influenced hundreds of, people, of yeah. rappers. Snoop Dogg. You ever heard of ever heard of Snoop Dogg? Yeah. Exactly. You ever heard of Kanye West? Mm -hmm. You ever heard of Pharrell? You ever heard of Ghostface Killer? You ever heard of Andre 3000? You ever heard of Prodigy of Mob Deep? You ever heard of any of these guys? Slick yeah. Rick influenced all of them. Mm -hmm. Some at some you know, point Rick, had uh, remakes of his songs. <laughs> right. Montel Jordan is live. He never has to work ever again because of this is how we do it, which is yep. a remake really of children's story. Yep. Slick, Slick Rick is rap's greatest storyteller ever. Now, you period. know, you know, what's he funny? You, painted pictures. What's funny is you bring up Montel Jordan. I was at work the other day and this is how we do it. Just popped in my mind for whatever reason that tells you the stand power of that song. And it's just like, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Montel Jordan doing right now. <laughs> right. Hey, exactly. He's living off of residuals. Um, the Great Adventures of Slick Rick, which is his debut album, came out in 1988. It's just top to bottom, one of the best hip-hop albums ever made. I mean, but even before he did Great Adventures of Slick Rick, he also is part of the most sampled hip-hop song of all time, which is Lottie Dottie. Mm -hmm. Right? 
And everybody knows every word to Lottie Dottie. You know, Lottie Dottie, we like to party. We don't cause trouble. We don't bother nobody. We're just the men that's on the mic. And we rock up on the mic. We rock the mic, right? For all of y'all, keeping y'all in hell. Just to see you enjoy yourself. So it's like every word is a sample of another song. Remember Color Me Bad? I want to sex you up. Mm-hmm. Who do they sample in that song? TikTok, you don't stop. That's mm-hmm. Slick Rick. Yeah. Great song. You know? So Slick Rick is doesn't get enough credit because he went to jail in his prime. Yeah, I was just about to say. You yeah. know, he was in Right, because he shot his cousin because his cousin threatened to kill his mom, so he shot him up. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I think we forget about Slick Rick. But when he came back, and he made the album in 1998 when he had, you know, Big Boy on it and he yeah. had Nas on it and he had Cannabis. I mean, he still delivered a really good album. I just think, he, you know, sadly, he missed his kind of prime. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't get a chance to record music in his prime where the producers were there for him and everything. So, yeah, I mean, Flick Rick is number 11 on my list. All right. Now, this is where we get into the danger zone, the top 10. So, all right. Would you like me to give a quick blurb about all of them? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Number 10, LL Cool J. Mm. If it weren't for LL Cool J, I'd probably never get into hip hop the way I did. I was in my cousin's house in New Jersey, visiting him on vacation. He had a Walkman. He was older than me. I took it. I listened to LL Cool J's Bigger and Deffer, which is bad. I heard the song I'm Bad where he said, no rapper can rap quite like I can. I take a muscle-bound man and put his face in the sand. Um, he said, forget Oreos, eat Cool J cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and that one song hooked me on hip-hop. That one song. LL, because he's such an actor now, people yeah. forget he's one of the greatest rappers ever. Mm-hmm. And he has influenced everybody. Yeah, I, I remember so, him. As, um, I remember those songs, but I remember him historically through the him and the cannabis beef. Because that damn yeah. that song, uh, what uh, five four three two one, um, yep, that song came out, and on the original yep. cut they had, or one of the remix cuts that had Master P on it. So I was real into yep. No Limit at that time, and I really wanted to hear that version of the song or whatever. And I think they had a video with it, but. Mm-hmm. They had two videos. Yeah, they had two of them. One with Master P and one without him. Yeah. So that was what kind of, you know, that's when I was all over LL. And then he had the classic ballad with freaking uh, Boys to Men. So. Hey, lover. Yeah. That, that's Sample Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he has doing it. He has lounging. Yeah. He has I Need Love, which is really the first ever love hip-hop song. Mm-hmm. He has Jingling Baby. He has... I mean, he made a whole song in 1989 about a woman's ass. Like, yeah. how ahead of his time was he? And I mean, he had one of the most expensive videos ever to be made, not to be released. Yeah. <laughs> also, you, know, you have big old. Also, which video is that? I forget what it was. I remember seeing something about it on VH1. But also, he was originally considered to play the role of Blade before Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. But, like, when he did Big Old Butt, right? Like, he basically did a song about a woman's butt. 
three years before Sir Mixlot did Baby Got Back and 10 years before Juvenile did Back That Ass Up. Mm-hmm. So he was way ahead of his time. He Basically, everything Drake gets love for, LL did, but because hip-hop was so different, he got ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Like, Drake is really the new version of LL. Yeah. He really is, if you think about it. Yeah. But... Number LL, nine. Number number ten. Number nine. My my only Caucasian on the list, Eminem. Oh, I was about to say vanilla ice? What? <laughs> <laughs> um I think Eminem is one of the best rappers ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody at his peak might be better than Eminem at his peak. And when I mean peak, I mean 1999, which is a Slim Shady LP, mm-hmm. to the Eminem show, which is 2002. And you have the 8 Mile music in there, too. Yeah. My only beef with Eminem, one beef with him, which is why he's not higher on my list, is I do feel like, racially speaking, he gets away with things that black rappers were not allowed to get away with. Like, he can talk about killing his mom, and mm-hmm. it's seen as art. But if, like, Jay-Z were to rap about killing his mom, they'd want him in jail. Mm-hmm. So I think he has that advantage, which is why I have to downgrade him. And also, I don't, I never lived a life of shrooms and other things that he talks about in his music. So he's brilliant. I love Eminem. I think he's one of the best ever. He's one of my favorites ever. But that's why I have him at nine. Okay. And the guys I have above him, I think if Eminem were to look at my list, he would put the guys above him too. So, number eight is Ice Cube. Okay. Now, now, one <laughs> I got to be honest here. One of the first, this uh, is, I think one of the first CDs I ever had in my collection outside of Crisscross was the Death Certificate. <laughs> okay. Death, I, Death Certificate was like my Bible for the whole summer of 1991. I I struggled keeping Ice Cube off of my top five. I struggled keeping him out of my top six, top seven. Because I don't know if any other rapper, maybe maybe LL and a couple of others who are on my list have had more impact on me, but Ice Cube has had one of the biggest impacts of my life. Because he made me look at things from a different lens that I did not see being a person who grew up in the suburbs, like I didn't realize how racially tense America was until I heard an NWA album and I heard an Ice Cube album. Like, you know, Horny Little Devil, Black Korea, Be True to the Game. Like this, this was heavy stuff for an elementary school kid or even early high school. Where was your parents? But <laughs> <laughs> well, his stuff made me. His stuff made me look at look at things differently. Ice Cube's one of my favorites. Um, I don't know if any rapper had a run like he did from 1988 to 1993. I mean, look at what he did. Straight out of Compton, he wrote most of the NWA album. He goes on his own. America's Most Wanted, one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. He makes Kill at Will, which is an EP, but on that EP has Jacking for Beats, where he's rapping over other people's beats which in essence mm-hmm. launched the mixtape revolution yeah. where people start to rap for other people's beats. Mm-hmm. Also, Straight Outta Compton is also an amazing movie, too. That's, 
Right, right. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. You have, um, you know, 1991, you have Death Certificate. You talked about Death Certificate. It's one of my favorite hip-hop albums of all time. has the greatest hip-hop diss song of all time, maybe in No Vaseline. Mm-hmm. And then he makes the Predator album, where he makes, you know, Wicked. He makes It Was a Good Day, which is a song everybody knows every word to. Yeah. And he did Check Yourself. And then when you thought, okay, well, now he's about to plateau, he makes the Lethal Injection album with, you know, songs like Ghetto Bird, and he also makes um, You Know How We Do It. And then he finds West Side Connection mm-hmm. with WC and Mac-10, Shit. but then he also makes Friday. Yeah, he the, also the soundtrack, makes, yeah. Boy, he's also in Boy from the Hood. So Ice Cube, like I said, I got a DM and I don't want to share it from somebody I know who knows who's into Ice Cube, like he's friends with him in California. And he goes, I actually am appreciative that you put him that high because everybody's leaving him off their list or putting him low. But man, fuck, Ice Cube's one of the greatest ever, period. And and you'll never get me. Ice- yeah. In my opinion, I still he honestly changed the game. Yeah, uh, yeah shit. One, one one of the songs that I remember most from them, it was uh from uh, what was it? It was the murder was the K soundtrack. Him and uh Dr. Dre. Yeah, you're talking about Natural um, Born Killers. You're talking about Natural Born Killers. That I love that damn song, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a great song. You can barely and, find. You know, that, we forget. You can barely we find also that about Ice Cube's landmark appearance on Burn Hollywood, Burn Public Enemies album. He's great. All right. Number seven. The most controversial uh, uh, ranking on my list, because in my own house, I have a very upset wife because this person is too low on my list. Tupac, number seven. Okay. See, and I'm happy. Wife, I'm happy he's that low. I'm happy he's that low. <laughs> my wife is from California. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense now. Loves, yeah, she loves Cal. She loves Tupac, and she thinks Tupac is by far the greatest rapper of all time. And her comment was, "How the fuck do you have Jay Z higher than him when all he does is bite Biggie's rhyme?" Now, so. <laughs> Okay. So in my own house, this was met with tremendous controversy. You got the East Coast, West Coast beef in your house. (laughs) So let's talk about Tupac. Um, Well, Tupac is probably the most influential rapper of all time. Uh Period. End of story. That is not for debate. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. Nobody has influenced more rappers than Tupac. I don't think there's a more charismatic rapper ever than Tupac. I think Tupac might have been the smartest rapper. Mm-hmm. My only thing with Tupac is when you break down his lyrics, maybe because he was speaking for a greater cause and a greater message, mm-hmm. I never thought lyrically he was like up there. But when he made Hit Him Up, I kind of had to take notice of him because yeah. it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like my favorite rapper. He just obliterated. Yeah, we ain't talking about Brenda's having a baby and, you know, being socially conscious like, to the woes of the like, world. <laughs> like, hit him up with 
so amazing of a diss song that it hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm I the same way. I, you know, I, I love that. I absolutely love that song, but I refuse to listen because listen to it because like, of how much I love Biggie Smalls. Right. I love Biggie. I love Mob Deep, and he eviscerated both of them. Mm. He said, "Mob Deep, ain't you ain't one motherfuckers got sickle cell or something?" Yeah. Like it was so mean. But like you I, know, I can remember like people talking about that song or whatever. It was just like he would go deep and like find facts he, as he, much as he could before he wrote anything down. Man said, "You claim to be a player, but I fucked your wife." I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm done. Is that right? Like, <laughs> it, be, he, hit him up is so good. I it hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. It, like legitimately when I heard it, I was angry for Biggie. I was like, Oh my God, how could you let him do say this about you? And see, and that was the but, th- that was another thing too. I don't think Biggie even properly responded. He just kept on doing what he was doing, right? So I listened to a podcast called Drink Champs, which is hosted by Noriega. Mm-hmm. And on that podcast, Noriega said Buster Rhymes has it on his hard drive. There is a song with Biggie Nas, Buster Rhymes, Noriega from 1997 that did not make Biggie's album, but it's the only song still available to hear where Biggie goes after Tupac by name at a hit em up level, but it's never made, it's never been released. And, and I thought and that Buster was, Rhymes is the only one who has the song. Yeah, and I, and I thought that was like at the time when all that thing was going on, I thought that was smart of him not to put any music out referencing it i think the closest we got to a reference was like when he did that song with uh bone that is uh bone and biggie yeah so beef with so you know yeah, yeah. no he actually he actually this he actually this tupac in long kiss goodnight but he did it subliminally mm-hmm. you know he said um what did he say he goes you know we ain't mad at you like, I ain't mad at you. We ain't mad at you. He dissed him in Who Shot You, right? Old school, new school, need to learn, though. And Tupac had a song called Old School. Like, he's dissed him. Just not but see, the difference is, he, you have to be like a clever hip-hop listener to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, he dissed Nas on, on kicking the door. He dissed Nas on victory. But, like, it's like you got to be into the shit like I am. Well, on victory, he goes, your destiny lays in my hand, yet lays in my way. So Destiny is Nas's daughter. Mm-hmm. The point is, it's like you got to know this shit. Tupac on Hit Him Up, just like, you, know, you know who like, I'm just about. telling you what I'm doing right now, motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, like Biggie was covert with his why, shit, and Tupac was like, I'm he here, I'm kicking that, in the door. <laughs> he goes, I ain't got no love. That's why I fucked your bitch, you fat mu-. Like, it hurt my feelings. Like, let me tell you, that song... I was mad. Like, the if audacity. I thought Tupac, I would have probably ran up to him, got my ass kicked, and be like, "How fucking dare you make that song?" No. But the point is, and he didn't even like he didn't even stop there. He didn't go as far as to make no. this song. He made a fucking video with doubles of these yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, it was he called him notorious Pig, mm-hmm. and the like. He just on the Machiavelli album, like Tupac just Jay Z, he just mob deep, he just what did he say? He goes, Jay Z of Hawaiian Sophie. Like 
Yeah. He didn't even give Jay Z the time. He's like, ah, whatever. I this is my opinion. He even if Tupac were to have there. lived, I I believe this. If Tupac were to have lived, he would have been the first black president. That's my opinion. What do you mean? You're telling me Tupac's not alive? Like everyone says? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right. If Tupac was alive and he was allowed to show himself, I think he would have been <laughs> a congressman. I thought he would have been a senator. Mm-hmm. I thought he would have been a black president. Tupac died at 25. Mm-hmm. Okay? Think of what he accomplished by the time he was 25. Yeah. A lot of things. Well, honestly, what I believe, he would have transitioned out of the music completely. You could have been like right. more of an ice right. cube to me. Like, he would have been doing movies and writing stuff and everything like that. He would occasionally come back and do right. an album. But he would have been solely into the movie thing, I believe. Think about it like this. In 25, Malcolm X was in jail as Detroit Red, the hustler. At 25, Martin Luther King was a pastor in a Georgia church. At 25, Obama was in college. Tupac already did everything and died at 25. Let me ask you guys this. Because you were saying if Tupac would still be alive, he'd be doing the whole movie thing like Ice Cube and all that. I know Biggie's still on this list somewhere. Where would you, what do you think Biggie would still be doing? I think Biggie would be probably like he'd be a mix of Jay Z and Puff. Yeah. Like I think Biggie would be more of a businessman who broke new artists and yeah. rapped once in a while, mm-hmm. but like had more versions of Little Kim and more versions of Junior Mafia. Yeah. And you know, I don't. I never thought Biggie was gonna have this ten album career. I thought Biggie was going to get in. He was going to make his money. He was going to do clothing. Yeah, because that's um, what it seemed like. Yeah. So, and Biggie's absolutely on my list. And, you know, you probably figure out where he is. But right. let, you want me to go past Tupac now? Let's yeah, get to number ahead. six. Yeah, we go ahead. Six. Yeah. All right, number six. Almost. almost number six. <laughs> number six. Antonio Hardy, a.k.a. Big Daddy Kane. Okay. So, um, Big Daddy Kane... He's, he was Jay-Z and Biggie before Jay-Z and Biggie. He's from Brooklyn. He went to the same high school as Jay-Z and Biggie. He was old. He, Jay-Z was in his crew. Biggie was his, in, Biggie's inspiration was Big Daddy Kane. Um, he was like the first complete package of a rapper. He could make girl songs. He could make street songs. He did Lean On Me. He had the MCM trench coat. He had the Gucci belt. Like I just want, I wanted to be Big Daddy Kane when I was young. So. Um, he'll always be in my top six. Uh, number five, Nas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people thought I had Nas too low. I think Nas is the fifth best rapper ever, not in ability, but because sometimes the quality of his music isn't as good as his ability. Mm-hmm. I think because he's such a good rapper, he picks terrible beats. Yeah. And that's one of his big, un- like that's his big pet peeve. So, Nas, everybody knows about his stuff from the great one of the greatest albums of all time in Illmatic. It was written, I Am, Nostradamus, mm-hmm. you know, Stillmatic. Um, recently, he made Life is Good. He made Lost Takes Two. Be Nas is Nas, one of my favorites. He's up there. Number four, the inspiration for Nas is Rakim, of Eric B and Rakim. Yeah. Hey, I feel like. And I feel like Rakim is the, when you do 
they talk about BCAD. They think before Christ, after death. Mm-hmm. I think Rock Kim is the middle mark of the demarcation of hip hop, which is there's everybody before Rock Kim and there's everybody after Rock Kim. He is the guy who changed how people rap. Mm-hmm. Before Rock Kim, it was I went to the store, I got a brew. Rakim came, you know, he said, I was a fiend before I became a teen. I melted microphones and set of clones of ice cream music oriented. So when hip hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzle, complicated. So I grabbed the mic and try to say, yes, y'all, they try to take it and say that I'm too small. Cool. Cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull the plug, then I jet. So like the fact that he was saying words that were more than two syllables and stuff like that, that shit blew my mind. So, Rakim is the rapper who hung around all the drug dealers. He just knew how to rap about it, but he wasn't actually doing any of it. The real 50 Cent, who 50 got his name from, that that guy was in Rakim's crew. You know, he had some real killers with him. Um, And he had a, he's a style icon because the Air Force One, he made popular long before Nelly ever thought about wearing an Air Force One. Rakim made it popular. Go look on the cover of his album. So, you know, Eric being Rakim, and and honestly, Rakim was my number one MC for a long time. But as I evolved, I had to kind of make some adjustments. So number three is Karis One, mm-hmm. the teacher. So for those who don't know who Karis One is, he has one of the great diff songs of all time in The Bridge is Over. He, he has one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time, Criminal Minded, By All Means Necessary, Sex and Violence, Return of the Boom Bap. I can go on and on. The reason I love Karis One so much is he was the teacher. Like, I didn't know half the shit before I heard Karis One talk about it. I did not know an African-American performed the first heart surgery. I did not know an African-American invented the traffic light. I did not know all the shit that wasn't in the history books I was being taught in school until I listened to Karis One. My favorite Karis One song of all time is called My My Nine Millimeter Goes Bang or Love's Gonna Get You, where he talks, it's a story about the word love and how if you love material items, they could get you killed. It's brilliant, way ahead of its time. Number two, the man, the myth, the legend, Sean Carter, Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. I think Jay-Z has the best rap career of all time. I don't think he's the best rapper of all time. Okay. Agreeable. And number one, number one, from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. the Black Frank White, a.k.a. Big AKA Papa. the greatest um, of all time. I think, I think Biggie is the best rapper of all time. And the reason I say that is because everything I've ever heard from Biggie is just great. Mm-hmm. He didn't make a bad song. He didn't have a bad verse. There was never a time where I heard Biggie. I said, oh, that verse sucked. He just mailed it in. He was always the best. And the things that he could say is just, I, I, I couldn't even think of shit like that if somebody put me on steroids. Mm-hmm. Um. I remember when he said I got seven Mac 11s, about eight 38s, nine nines, 10 Mac 10s. The shit's not, never ends. You can't touch my riches. 
even if you had MC Hammer and then 357 bitches. So MC Hammer had a group called Oak, Oak Town 357. He literally linked all of the guns. And at the end, he said, Oak Town 357, 357 bitches, like as a 357 Magnum. Mm-hmm. He's talking about guns. Just brilliant. And, you know, he had lines, man. Don't be mad. UPS is hiring. Yeah. Like, just, I just think Biggie's the greatest. And nobody will ever change my mind. I don't care how many good albums Kendrick Lamar does or Drake does or Jay-Z does or Nas does. Biggie will always be the best rapper of all time. My number two to five can change depending on when you catch me. But I think number one will always be Biggie. Okay. Period. And then, you know, it's kind of crazy because, like, people that are, tend to be higher at the list are people who are dead or their career is just kind of like, you know, is yeah. they're not in the forefront doing what they used to be doing so much. Not right. But that's the problem with hip hop. Unlike any other music, where they actually respect their history and respect their past. Hip hop is a music that if you're not making a music today, you're not good. And it's like the shit I hear sucks. Like, I don't want to hear future and I don't want to hear Migos and I don't want to hear, you know, little perp and all these guys. So I don't know, man, just the guys I have or the guys who influenced me and why I love the music so much. I think if I grew up in this time, I don't think I'd love hip hop. I'd probably like something else. Maybe I'd listen to, you know, alternative or, yeah. or something else. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's it. That's my list. Yeah. And it's um, like right on time. Cause everybody's talking about today, August 11th in 1973 was the birth of hip hop. It is. Yeah. 1520 Sedgwick Avenue, Bronx. What a convenient day to do this. Yeah, it was a DJ Cool Herc's like back to school jam or some shit like that. DJ Cool Herc's back to school jam from Jamaica. He was a DJ. He was kind of doing his break beats. Guys started to kind of battle each other with just verbal rhyming. Um, you know, I think another person who should get credit for this is Muhammad Ali. He was really the first rapper, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really, really want to think about it, he was the first rapper. But, yeah, um, there are a lot of guys I miss, man. I love Lloyd Banks. I love DMX. I love, you know, there's just so many rappers. Talib Kweli. There's just so many. And, you know, you're going to leave people off. You just are. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it goes. But, you know, that's my list. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, gentlemen, we've been here for quite a while recording some audio goodness. And I I appreciate y'all for joining us. I don't know how you're going to hear this. If it's going to be attached to the end of wrestling this trash or a damn solo goddamn episode. I don't know. But it'll be out. So listen to it. If if you're hearing me say this, you're obviously listening to it. So I appreciate it. (laughs) But um, that's it. So any parting words uh, from either one of you individuals before we jettison off out of here? No. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Anatel. And you can follow King Ajar at King Ajar? <laughs> at King Ajar on Twitter. Um, right now, the last thing I tweeted was about my top 10 favorite hip hop groups of all time, which is a discussion that has not happened yet. Mm -hmm. But I am sure when people see that list, 
I'm going to get killed from people in the South because Outcast is not in my top five. So that's all I'll say. Okay. So until we have some other convoluted list that people want to talk about, (laughs) we'll see you next time.